according to the scholars and historians, of which I'm neither, the first Christmas took place around 90 A.D. And it wasn't until the end of the 4th century that they officially decided to use the date December 25th as the day in which it would be celebrated and be a part of what goes on as we look at it and, and understand that. But I believe as we look into God's Word and, and allow us to think about it as we move closer and closer, just a few days from Christmas itself, we find in that Luke account that was part of the Advent reading this morning and part of last week and the things that are there, a familiar passage in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, we find what I believe we could call the very first Christmas worship service when, we got to, when they got together and being a part of it. And so I just want to take those verses and uh, we're going to read them in just a moment and, and allow them to just guide us through a, a worship service with Christ on that first Christmas morn as we have the opportunity to understand and to know that. So I would invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. These words are familiar to you. You know them. Uh, you hear them over and over during this season of the year. But I would ask that you would allow them, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you ears and heart to hear as though this was the first time you ever heard the story, that He would just lift you up and let you get into the mood, into the idea, into the understanding of what must have been going on in the hearts of these shepherds and of Mary and Joseph and the angels and the people that were gathered there together. Beginning in verse 8, the scripture says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among them, with men whom He is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all, the, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as they had been told. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning that as we take a few moments to think together about this Christmas service that took place then, that time in which the shepherds came when Christ was born, the angels proclaimed, Mary and Joseph rejoiced, and the news that was given was a news that would be eternal for all those who would listen to it from that moment on that the Christ had come, the Savior had come, the Messiah was here. What an amazing moment that must have been. What a thrilling time it could have been as we look and we see that and understand that. I pray this morning, Father, that even though it's so familiar to us and we've heard the scriptures, we've heard the story, we go through this same event over and over, that so how this morning and throughout the rest of this week as we move toward that day that we have designated as a day to celebrate your birth, that we will truly do that that we'll celebrate our Savior, that we'll celebrate your birth, that we'll realize that Christmas isn't about us and it's not about the things that we get or even the things that we give, but it's about the greatest gift that's ever been given in all of eternity. And that was your gift to us in Jesus Christ. 
May we rejoice in that and never take it for granted, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this, we, we first of all note as we think together about this time that was together, the congregation that's there. The sanctuary was an open countryside. The, the shepherds were out. They had their sheep out. They were going over. We're told that these shepherds were particular shepherds and that they were guarding and taking care of the sheep that would be used in the sacrifice of the temple for all the sacrifices that would go on during the time and being a part of that time. And They were just out there, a part of it, when the angels came and pronounced to them what was going on. And I think there's a couple of things for us to understand and under, see about that as we look at it, and that's the realization that God chose an open countryside. And I think part of what he did that for, and this is just my own speculation, is, is simply for the fact that Jesus Christ came to be Lord of all the earth. He came to be Savior to all men, everywhere, of all time. He didn't just come to a select group of people or a select congregation or a, you know, just not the religious leaders, the political leaders or some people like that, but in the openness of the, of the countryside as he came, he's saying to all mankind for all time, I am the Lord of all men. I am the King of kings, the Lord of lords, but I have come that all men may have a relationship with my Father, that all of us can know that and be a part of it and understand that. And I think what we need to grab hold of in the midst of that is the realization that a building is not a sanctuary just because we call it a sanctuary. It's not a place of worship just because we call it a place of worship. It's only a place of worship when we understand and identify the fact that the building that we worship in, that we come together in, is a house of worship because God is here. If we just gather together, you gather together in all kinds of meetings. You have all kinds of gatherings. We'll have gatherings even of our families, but, and those could be moments of worship too, I hope, because we're going to have Christ invited into our Christmas but at the same time, this place is holy, not because of the building that it is or because it carries the name church on it, but it's holy because we expect and, and experience the presence of the living God here. And that's what made that place on the countryside so holy and, and special in those moments was because God had sent his angels. God's glory was there as we came. And so the congregation had gathered, and then the preacher arrived. And the Bible tells us that the preacher is an angel. And he's surrounded by the glory of God. And he comes before. And, and note, it says, it's not his glory. It's not the angel's glory that the shepherds see. It's not the angel's glory that they are a part of that affects their lives. It is the glory of the Lord that shines through them, that is manifest through them. And there again is a lesson for us, a lesson for me as a pastor, a preacher, a lesson for all of us as we share the gospel, as we teach, as we witness to people, as we are part of what goes on, is the realization that we are always supposed to point people to Jesus Christ, not to ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about us receiving glory or praise or thanksgiving or any of those kind of things. But what you and I are supposed to be doing with our lives is magnify the Lord. It's to glorify the Lord in all that we do and everything that we are. And these angels, this angel began to speak and he was a part of what was going on as he gave glory to God in the things that were a part of that. They were aware of the presence of God in their midst because of the glory that shone through the angel. Now, I'm, I'm just going to throw in here that the angel must have been seminary trained because he, uh, had, a, he, he, had, he had an introduction in three points and an in invitation. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure that he had been to seminary. Now, I don't know whether it was a, a, the Christian seminary, a Baptist seminary, or which it was, but he pretty well had the same idea down as he looked at it. And you see, because, you see, he had an introduction, and his introduction said, Do not be afraid. 
What a great way to begin. What a wonderful thing. that They were in terror because of the holiness of God that were around them. And they understood that how awesome God is and how amazing God is, which is one of the things we've lost today in our day and time. We, don't, we no longer think about how great God is and how majestic God is. We no longer stand in awe of His presence and the things that are there and worship Him because He deserves to be worshipped. And, and they had seen that and they had understood that. But now He says, don't be afraid. You'll remember if you go through the book of Revelation, oftentimes John will be encountered with an angel and he'll fall upon his face before the angel because he's so overwhelmed with the reality of the, of the angel and the things that are there. But he'll, the angel will always say, stand up, I'm just someone like you. I'm not God. You don't worship me. You worship God and God only as being a part of it. And, and so he comes. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and see, there's a lot of people today that are still afraid of the good news of God. They're afraid of who God is and afraid of what God might think. Some of us are so afraid of God because we think maybe God's going to ask us to do something that we don't want to do. Or going to ask us to go somewhere we don't want to go. Or going to ask us to be a part of something that we're not sure we can do or that we have the right feelings toward. We find all kinds of reasons to be afraid of God. We're afraid He might deny us of something that we really want ourselves and we don't want to give it up. And we, we live in a sense of fear and being a part of it. And even as Christians, sometimes if we're not careful, we let ourselves live in fear in the world in which we dwell in. And we're so afraid of our circumstances and the situations that's there and being a part of it. And I'm not saying we should be careless and that we shouldn't take caution and do the things that we need to do in different times like we're in right now. But we should always be aware of the fact that we have nothing to fear. The perfect love casts out fear. And Jesus Christ has come to us in order that he might take away the fear of God so that we don't have to be afraid of him. He came to us to take away the fear of condemnation because he gave us salvation and the things that are there and being a part of that. We don't need to be afraid. And, and God begins his message to the, to the shepherds and I think to all of us as he encounters each of us on a personal basis. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Allow me to speak to you. And then he comes with that first point. When he says, for unto you is born, I have good news of great joy, the gospel. That's what the first point is, is the gospel. Good news of great joy. What, a, what an amazing way to begin talking about the Lord and all that he is as he talks and he shares there. And he begins to say to him and talk to him, to these shepherds and being a part. Man, I've got great news for you today. I've got something that is so full of joy. It's great joy. It's amazing joy that God has presented to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got good news. And folks, you and I have good news for a world around us, even in the midst of a world that's filled with bad news. Every single day, that's all we hear is bad news. But you and I have some good news of great joy if we would ever begin to believe it ourselves and live in the context of that good news. That we have the best news that's ever been spoken on this earth of any way, in any language, of any time. The good news is that God so loved you and God so loved me that He chose in a moment in history to give Himself in the birth of His Son that we might have a Savior who would be our... That's good news, folks. We have someone who loves us so much that he was willing to come to this earth and to be a part of the life as you and I live it in order that he might become that perfect sacrifice for us as we think about it together and being a part of that. So we have good, good news as we look at it and are part of that as we look. And it's a news that is of great joy. It's not news that's sad. It's not news that puts a burden on us. It's not news that weighs us down. It's good news. It's of great joy. God has come to you. God has come to me. And every time someone accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there again is the birth of Christ upon this earth, for He is born in their hearts. 
and he becomes a brand new savior to them and they live eternally because of that as we look at it and as we understand the things that are going on in the second part of that message not only the good news was but the good news was for all people now that's even better news than the news that started with because it wouldn't be great news if it, we hear that there's a savior there's a messiah but then we found out that it didn't mean anything to me it wasn't available to me. I couldn't be saved. I couldn't have a relationship to God. I, I couldn't experience what was there. That's not good news. The good news is, the great joy is, that God has come, but He's come for me. That He's come for you. He's come for all of us. See, there's no one excluded in what He says. There's not a language, tongue, anything that's apart. Our people, the book of Revelation says, gathered around the throne one day, there will be people from every ethnic group People from every language group, people from every part of the world in every way will gather around the throne and worship the one who is worthy of worship because he came for all of us. came for everyone. See, there's no one. I liked it on the song a while ago. I didn't get kind of the way it went, but it said something about uh, tall or wise. I'm not sure how those two things went together, but evidently I must have chosen wisdom because I'm not very tall, but we... But, you know, it doesn't matter whether we're big, we're little, we're old, we're young, educated, uneducated, poor, wealthy. It doesn't matter where we live, what color of skin we have. It doesn't matter what our background has been, what we've done with our lives. We have a Savior. All of us have a Savior. No one's excluded. No one, no matter how bad you and I may think they are, they may be the worst people that we've ever seen. We may think they deserve hell. Then God pauses our hearts and makes us understand. So do we. So do we. But we have a Savior. We have a Savior. A Savior that's for all of us. Every single one of us. Have the joy of knowing Christ as intimately as it was just He and us. All of us together. We're the only ones with Him as we think about it together. We have a Savior that is a part of this time that we look together. That was the message. I come with great news and great joy. A Savior has been born to all people. No one's excluded. As we look and as we understand that, and then the third point that he made as we look at it is that God's word can be verified in our experiences. See, the shepherds heard what they were said and what was done, and then they went, and what God had told them through the angels was so. There was a baby in the manger. A Savior had been born. They saw it. Now, we need to be careful because we cannot allow our experiences to try to interpret the Bible and say, well, I had this experience, and so that must be true. The Bible must always interpret our experience. See, no matter what we've experienced, if it contradicts the Word of God, that means we're wrong. The Bible's never wrong. And what God says is never wrong. And so we need to keep that in mind as we look at it. But isn't it great to know that when God makes us a promise, when God says something is going to be happening in our lives, when God tells us something is true for us, that we can experience in reality and know that it is. That it takes place, that, that we can depend upon the Word of God, that we can trust the Word of God and experience all that's going on and being a part of that time as we look at it. And so they went and they saw and they experienced the wonder of a Savior as they knelt there and saw the Savior Jesus Christ and being a part of it. Now I do think they were a little confused because they, they had the special music after the sermon instead of before it. Normally, you know, in churches we always do the special music and then the preacher gets up and does his sermon. Well, they waited until after the sermon was over, if you'll remember, because the Bible says that after he had proclaimed this good news and told everybody he is, all the rest of the angels, a host of angels, thousands of angels, began to proclaim glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men on whom God's favor rests. 
What a song of the ages that was. Kind of a song that the, uh, the shepherds got to hear. That great heavenly chorus that was part. I heard a song this week on the radio that I hadn't ever heard before. I don't know if I'll ever hear it again, so I hope I wasn't dreaming. But it was a song that said this, they were talking about. I don't know if, if Christmas is celebrated in heaven or not. But if it is, one of the things I want to do is to hear the angels sing. That song they sang that first Christmas morn. I want to be a part of the angel song. In fact, they say, I want to be able to sing glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. See, they, they sang that amazing song as they proclaimed that worship moments with the shepherds. Can you imagine how the shepherds must have felt? These who were considered by society some of the lowest people on earth. And yet God had presented to them the greatest news that anyone could ever hear. And he followed it up with all the host of angels in heaven singing glory to God, an amazing word, and allowed them to experience that in their own lives as they were going apart and doing that together as they saw and understood what was going on and being a part of that time. The glory to God. But it also says in there, peace on earth upon whom God favors. Now that's important. See, the only way you and I can experience peace is through Jesus Christ. And so every person that you know that does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has no peace. It's not a promise of peace to everyone. It's not a worldwide peace like we're always trying to negotiate knowing it'll never happen. It's a peace that comes with a personal relationship with God himself and speaks into our heart that we have been made anew, that we have been accepted, that we are the very children of God and that His peace rests upon us. It's not peace that's dependent upon circumstances, upon situations, upon people. It's peace that comes to us by God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that makes us a little bit more like Jesus Christ as His peace dwells within us. That's the promise of God, that you and I have an amazing peace that can dwell within us no matter what's going on because the world can't take it away from us because it didn't give it to us. It's God-given, and it's God-controlled as we yield to him and allow him to be a part of who we are and what's going on as we look at it. But then there came that moment that I mentioned already, the idea of an invitation. You see, when God speaks to us, he expects us to act upon what he tells us. He's not just telling us things so we have knowledge in our head. He's act, he wants us to respond to who he is. He wants us to respond to what he's teaching us and what he's being a part of. And so the shepherds heard the message, and as I said, they did go. They obeyed that word. They, they went to see what had happened and going on and being a part of that time. But what needs to take place, when you and I genuinely worship, when you and I really have an experience with God, when we really hear his word, it should have an effect upon our lives. It should make us different than what we were before. And we, it ought to affect us, and certainly it did to the shepherds. As they went and as they saw what the promise had been, as they dwelt their eyes and they believed by faith, how you believe that a little bitty baby is the Messiah? They, they took God's word through the angel. This is the Messiah. And they believed that to be true, and it changed their lives. And, and Christmas, that moment was over, and they went back, the Bible says, to the, their fields, and they continued being shepherds just like they had always been, but they weren't shepherds that weren't affected. Because as they went from that place, the Bible says, they began to, first of all, even there at the manger, they gave testimony of what had happened. They told Jared, Mary and Joseph, you won't believe this. 
But there were these angels, and they told us that our Savior was here, and we came. He is. He is. But then they went from that place, and they told everyone they encountered. It says they began to proclaim and share the news of what they had experienced, of what they had seen. They by faith believed that that little child in a manger truly was the promised Messiah of the ages. The one that they had been looking for for centuries upon centuries, longing for, pleading for, praying for. They believed that they had witnessed, their eyes had fell upon him, that he was the Christ. Do you believe it? Do you truly believe in your heart, in the depths of your being, that Jesus Christ is the Savior, is the one? Then it ought to affect how we live. It ought to affect what we do and what we say and what we're a part of. They went about telling everybody. And how much fun that would have been, I, I think, trying to tell people. How, how do you get people to believe you? It's hard enough for us to tell somebody that God loves them in the world in which we live. They don't want to believe it. They don't want to accept it. They don't want to believe that it's sufficient that a Savior would give his life and that that would be enough to cover all the sins of all mankind for all time? Or they'll look at themselves and see how evil they are and say, God couldn't save me. Oh, he might could save you, but he could never save me. Or they'll look and say, I don't need a Savior. I'm as good as anybody else I know. It's hard to get people to listen. It's hard to get people to believe. Can you imagine what it must have been like for those shepherds? How did they start? You wouldn't believe what happened to me, but, and they talk about an angel preaching to them, and a chorus of angels singing to them, and a babe in a Bethlehem. But they went about telling the good news. And folks, we've got good news. We've got good news. And we need to tell the world about it. We need to let them know Christmas is an amazing event. God announced it through the heavens that his son was coming. He already had it planned. He already knew it before the foundation of the earth, according to Scripture. But in a moment in time in history, God himself put on flesh and dwelt among us that we might know him and in knowing him experience his grace and his forgiveness and have brand new relationship with him so that for all time we might not be separated from him ever again but walk in the fullness of his love as our Father, as our Savior, as our King. That's what Christmas is about. And what a great message, what a great worship service that must have been. Could you imagine? I would have loved to have been a shepherd in that time and heard that message. I would have enjoyed being a cow in the manger and hearing you know, what's going on. Just to be in the presence of God. To be where God is. And yet every single day that you and I live, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we are, we are in the presence of God. He's always with us. What an amazing truth that is. What a reality that we need to hold on to. We are in God's presence. Gathered together, he says, when you come together, I honor that in special ways, but wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm there with you. That's Christmas. A Savior has been born into our lives. And he goes with us. All the time, not one day, but all the days of our life, we can celebrate the wonder of a Savior who has been born unto us, and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so very much this morning again for the wonder of who you are, for the amazing promise that you gave and then fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
And Father, even as those people for centuries looked forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, so now in these days we look forward to your coming again when you take us home to be with you forever. But in the meantime, Father, help us to realize that, that Christmas has been born into our lives. It's not just a moment in time uh, once a year that we get together and we share with one another and we talk about and have family time and gifts. And Father, this year it's going to even be different than it is for many of us because of, of all that's going on around us. But God, we don't have to have all those things to make it Christmas because we have you. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's what makes it Christmas, is that we have the light of the world. Our darkness has forever been shattered. Our hope has been forever become a living hope. Our peace passes all understanding. Our joy is unspeakable because we have you. Father, help us to celebrate Christmas in a wonderful way through these days and whatever way we're able to Christmas Day itself and the things that are there. Help us to enjoy it, to celebrate it, to have good time and fellowship. And Father, Christmas is a really hard time for some people because of the loss of family members through death, separation, maybe because of military, different things that can happen that make it lonely and make it hard. But God, remind those people, whether they're alone or whether they're surrounded by a crowd of people, that you're there. You're there. And speak to their hearts, your comfort, and your presence, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.